And welcome to the Lot Pod, um, brought to you by ACDB, who are a branding and creative design studio based in Farsi, Leeds. They create standout brands. So, if any companies out there need a brand new logo or a brand refresh, just get in touch with ACDB. They are, of course, the designer of our Lot Pod magazine, the Lot 17A fanzine, I should say. That is still available on the Lot Pod shop uh, issue two. So make sure you visit that um, to get a, to make sure you buy one of those. This is the match review panel for the Leeds versus Wigan game, and you've probably noticed by now I am not Eddie. I am. I'm stat. Freeze. <laughs> Uh, a bit weird having to do my own jingle, um, but Eddie is currently away on holiday. Um, as I've said, this is the match review panel for the utterly bonkers game on Friday night. And before I introduce our guests, let's have a listen to how the game sounded. On it comes, over the top it goes to Miski and Abbas. Miski will get the first try of the night. Here comes Wigan, and here comes Bevan French, and here comes potentially another Wigan try. Oh, dear me. Leeds just look in pieces here. And he's direct contact with the head. Oh. He's gone for the red Wait a minute. Absolutely incredible. 
Bang in front of those posts. About 10 metres out as Jared O'Connor finds Sangari. Sangari looking for an offload. Manages to find Cameron Smith. The ball comes to Rhys Martin. Martin comes oh. back in field. Rhys Martin gets another lead. Intercepted twice, Liam Byrne, on it comes to Custon, he's been intercepted by Tyndall, and Tyndall is away! Across comes Wardle, the twin Tyndall cuts back in field, and he's going to round off the victory. Another week, another mixtape, let's bring in our guests. First we have Laurie, Laurie, how are you? Yeah, not bad mate, not bad, can't complain, are you okay? Yeah, no, I'm not bad, thank you. And we have Josh from that band, Kimber. How are you, Josh? Yeah, good, mate. Thank you. Been on a bit of an emotional roller coaster this weekend, but uh, ready for tonight. <laughs> Did that mixtape feel like the summary of the game? Yeah, yeah I mean, it, it, we tried to make it to a bit. Of, I tried to make it a bit of two of halves in the the first half was terrible, and we're going to come on that. And obviously, the second half was. Great. I just want to pick up on one of the comments in the chats, which is ZB Creative saying you should have shaved your head and dedicated it to the main man. I could have done. I've got a wedding uh, in September, ZB, and it's probably not best for me to risk uh, the wedding for that. So in true lot pod fashion, we start with the positives. Josh, what positives have you got from the game on Friday night? Um, there was lots of positives after that second half. Um, one of the couple of main ones that I picked up on was that we got to see the Wigan walk at 24.18, which was nice. That's quite a nice early time to see that. And also that is now going to be the capitulation which sticks in my head over the United loss to Palace, um, which I still haven't got over because that's derailed our season in football. So now when I think of a capitulation, I'll think of Wigan. Um, Beyond that, I've got things like... uh, Tom Holroyd, who I thought was excellent in both halves. Uh, more minutes for Big Mick. Um, I think we showed good fight and attitude in the second half. Uh, I have concerns about what it takes for us to show that and why that doesn't start from the beginning, but this is positive. Um, and then mainly I was just thinking about this this weekend is that it's just such a young squad. These are all just valuable lessons that these young players will be learning. Um, about mental resilience and things like what Stevie Ward was saying on the touchline, which I thought he was also excellent. Laurie, what positive have you got? Um, well, we'll go. It was a difficult one because I kind of I did feel a bit bit conflicted considering the first half. Um, I thought Myla played well. Uh, especially in the halves, which I wasn't sure he was going to do. thought he played very well, especially that last 20-minute period, 30-minute period. He looked really comfortable and started con- you know, controlling the game with uh, Austin. Um, I-, I thought Newman played all right. I mean, I know he got the two intercept tries, but he was good that, and it sounds horrible to say, that he could actually sprint and run and not in- get an injury or something like that, it sounds, which is always a positive. Um, I just thought we the positives were the great spirit. That second half, was there a poor performance from any of our team in that second half? I don't think there was. It was literally just real good aggression and let's get this job done. And I think that was crucial to, well, that was crucial to the result, obviously. 
So let's get, let's go through this in three stages then. The, the lineup I want to talk about first, obviously, no Caesar, no Sinfield, Miley getting put in at half back, Hanley uh, going to full back. Obviously, he was bringing Liam Tyndall in. What were your thoughts on the lineup, Josh, going into the game? Did you think that was a lineup that was going to produce 40 points? Um, well, <laughs> probably not 40 points, no. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm in a position where I don't think our squad is, is actually good enough to compete and challenge the top teams this year. Um, I've, I'm one who hasn't been getting too over the top with the wins or the losses because I think... Um, I think before the season, I saw a squad. I saw, and I just thought, we, you know, maybe top six is what to aim for. I, I, I don't think I felt overly optimistic by the signings, but equally, I wasn't pessimistic. I think that's about where we're at. There's things I was, I have, I think I said on the group chat that I was looking forward to seeing Hanley at fullback. So is that a decision um, you would have made then? That that line. Yeah, I've been. One, I, I've completely washed my hands of Caesar. Like, I, I just have no time for him at all now. I mean, put it like this, he's been out of the side, what is it, two weeks, three weeks? Have has, have we missed him whatsoever? Would either of those games be different if he'd have played? Seven is the most important position on the pitch. And his influence is shown by how little we've missed him. Um, so I, I, I've been wanting him just... He'll be gone at the end of the year anyway. Either play... See, uh, play Sinfield and get some minutes into a young lad. Oh, let's see what Hanley looks like at fullback. Um, he he did a spell there earlier in the year. I can't remember which game it was. Um, and he looked pretty good. And Myla jumped in next to Austin. And I thought they worked better together. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I'm not a fan of a Myla-Austin halfback partnership. I, I don't think that's a good one. But considering where the bar is... I equally don't rate Myler at fullback. So let's see what Hanley's like at fullback. And if Hanley is decent at fullback, it might add another decent member to the spine, even if just for this year. Um, another thing that, uh, two more things that I, I thought from the lineup was I like Lizoni as more of an impact player and I like Holroyd to start. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so that was one thing that I'd sort of picked upon. And then, Again, it just I'm gutted. I mean, this is part of the roller coaster. I was gutted that Walters hadn't kept his place in the side, and even more gutted now about the news that's come out over yeah. the weekend. About and we will come on to leading. Sam Walters a bit later on, actually. Laurie, what were your thoughts on the lineup? Were you thinking that was a 40 point score inside? Absolutely not. No, <laughs> um, I looked at it and thought, oh, who's going to be the fall guy this week? And uh, we'll come on to that in a bit, obviously. Um, I, I when I say Milo, you kind of think Milo is the fullback. I know he's, he's he's not as good as he was at fullback, but when he's been there recently, he, he's all right. So when we moved into Haas, I was a bit like, you know, he's got to step up a bit. And he did, I thought. I thought the kicking game from us were better, especially in the second half. Um, Austin seemed to thrive off him a bit, which we hadn't done. We hadn't had a halfback to really do that with. Um, overall, forwards-wise, Tom Allroyd, um I mean, he's our star forward at the minute, I think, uh, when he gets the opportunity, when he comes yeah. on or if he starts. He's absolutely class. Um, no, I thought it was an interesting take. I was worried that about Tyndall. I can't lie. Whenever I say Tyndall's name, without Sam National lad, I do kind of feel that he sometimes does make errors and it's almost like sometimes they can be quite costly. But I was just hoping that and hoping it didn't materialise into anything serious. 
<laughs> Lee's Bandits has put in the chat that I bet Eddie thought he was a 40-point score inside. He would have been sat. He's on holiday right now. He'd have been sat wherever going, sat quite happily at his phone, smiling, going, I told you. He'd just been screaming at his phone <laughs> saying, I told you he'll be the win by 24, something like yeah. that. Daft Stop player. clocking all that. <laughs> just picking at your uh, picking at your point about the kicking, Austin only made two kicks all game, whether it was attacking kicks or kicks in general play. He, in fact, he didn't make one attacking kick. He only did two kicks in general play. Minor did four attacking kicks in 11 kicks in general play. So they clearly had a role that either of them did. You mm. know, Austin ran for 130 metres. He had 8.7 metres per average per carry, which is, you know, it's not bad really for a half um, is, is those figures. Um, okay, so that's the lineup then. Let's talk about that first half because in reality, that's the in the game, that's what I kind of was expecting in my mindset of the last two games. The first try, score out wide, I, I can always sometimes let them go. But obviously, the Bevan French try, I thought, was piss poor. You know, a Bevan French shouldn't be running through three players. I think Gannon was one of the ones in there and Austin. And then... The Austin's attempt on that was ridiculous. It was it was O'Connor, Martin he? He and Gannon. And Austin second. just, yeah. like, um, just almost slaps him on the back and loses his belt. It's just, it's just so poor. Yeah. And then, obviously, following that was... I can't remember who passed it, but passed it into Cameron Smith's head. It bounces, you know, comes forward and it was accidental offside and it was an easy two points. And I put that in the mixtape, you know, John Wilkin just, you know, saying Lee's are just in disarray. And it was, it was awful. So in that first half, what did you guys make of it? Josh, what were you, what was your mindset going through that first half? Um, I was, I was fuming to be honest. Uh, I just I thought we were so passive in defence. I thought our attitude was disgusting. Um, the thing that was frustrating me more than anything was our handling errors. Um, and not just like, say if you're making an error and you're playing, you know, off the cuff football with loads of offloads and you're attacking, then you can kind of take that like you did with the Tony Smith sides. But these were, we'd, we'd been under pressure for five minutes, however many repeat sets. We, we, they'd make a mistake, we'd get the ball back. Within the first play, we'd just drop it. I mean, we talk about that one that uh, French scored. That, it was just such a simple scrum play that he just ran through four blokes for. But that came off a handling error from Hash Hanley. The ball got kicked through. And for a, I know he's not a fullback. And, you know, I've just said I'd like to see him there. But... <laughs> He, um, he, it was a basic take and he just let it hit his chest and he just bobbled out of him and that's what the scrum came from, I'm sure. And it, I just, I was just so, it was like disbelief. Like we were our own worst enemy. I didn't actually think that Wigan were very good. I, I, I thought, yes, it was a game of two hours, but actually I thought there was a thread between the both halves and that was Wigan weren't very good and they didn't need to be very good in that first half. They literally went through the motions they had Shorrocks playing six next to Smith, who's a back rower. Um, and we all know how the reaction came when uh, Rowan Smith trialed Gannon at six in pre-season. You know, like, and that's, they were just going through them, but it was so easy for them to score against us. Um, you know, I just, I just thought it was so uh, passive. We had no... Like the effort wasn't there, the aggression wasn't there, and the the actual skill levels weren't there. And if it wasn't for Newman's interception just before half time, I think it could have been a very bleak half time. Um, also, obviously, we lost uh, Tetvano, which possibly helped us, and they maybe fired us up. 
And it hasn't really been mentioned, but we lost um, Bentley to it in the HIA as well. So we played without another bench like uh, bench spot. Um, so that's another little positive for the energy levels. But um, so, Laurie, what were your thoughts going through the first half? Because I've got some tweets here that I, I've picked up that people said yeah. at half time. One was Rowan Smith have done remarkably well to waste all of the credit he built up by getting us to the grand final last season, mid May. Richard Silverwood tweeted out at some point, um, so I just find it saying he's getting nothing from this Leeds team. There's good players in that team. A great coach gets more from them. Smith, in my opinion, isn't that. The comments at half time and during that first half were starting to turn very sour. Were you, where where were you in your mindset during that first half? Um annoyed. I I just felt like there was nothing going forward. There was no it was all when we were when we did have possession, it was all down the line and trying to create gaps that way. There was no actual forward, somebody going, right, you take that ball and take the ball in. Did you see many of our props making any much yards in that first half? I mean you'll probably have those stats, Reese, but to me it was just very flat footed almost. Like we didn't get into their half very often, apart from when we scored the try, you know, it was we were just bogged down and it didn't seem that we had again no leadership to say, Come on, lads, we're gonna do some even set plays or just drive it down the middle. It was it was just really flat and it was disappointing. And like we're on about Tevano getting sent off. Weirdly, we just it seemed like the players all of a sudden twigged like, oh, we're gonna have to do something now. Yeah. And you know, you're almost like this is it. And well, the rest of the say is history. But the first half, it was just it, there was nothing again, and it was possibly our worst half this season, I think. I don't know what you guys yeah. think. It could so, be up there. So to, sorry to interrupt. The, to add to your point there. I actually thought the kicking game in the first half was so poor, as in it was the wrong choice of kicks that they were going for. Mm. Like we, you know, a player would be gassed and they would kick a ball which would need to be challenged and that we didn't have the energy to challenge or it was one where we should be able to challenge and they just kick it long. It was, it was, it wasn't just the execution of the kick. I just felt like they constantly chose the wrong type of, yeah. kick, you know, there was one where I think Tyndall had done a scoot on the fifth and then they kicked it down his side to chase. And, you, well, if he's just played the ball, why are you kicking it to where yeah, the winger extra, should be? Extra effort, yeah. Do you know, it's just the wrong choice. And an expert, like, if, you, if we have a top-level half, which is what we're crying out for, they would be making the right calls, the right kicks. And it helps the forwards get back on top. It helps the team get that momentum back. And we've missed that all year. We we must have the weakest spine in the league, I think. I think that showed against oh, Salford. Yeah. Well, look, we can talk about the halves in the second half, actually, because I think that there's something that's changed in that second half in terms of the direction of the game. But I think the, the only positive for me in that first half was Newman's try. Um, I was worried with the muted celebration because I think that was a fair reflection of how I think we're all feeling. Like, we got a try. Probably didn't really deserve it, but somehow we got in the game. But I think that skill, that interception, that read that Newman's done is so easy to do badly in that, you you know, it's, it's a very hard skill to get right. And sometimes people can say it's lucky. I don't think you can say it's lucky when Newman's done it twice uh, in a game. But when we got that try, Laurie, did you think it's on? I've, the, my first initial thought, and I even remember this, was this makes half time a little bit more interesting because it was one of those again where if you thought if we get the next point, the first points in the second half, then it's game up and again. 
And yeah. I just thought to myself, we had to, Rowan had to do something at our time. He had to sit him down and go, look, what, what's happened has happened. We have to go forward. Or what do you do? Do you just sit back and go, well, we're down to 12. I'm just going to try and keep the score respectable. And that Newman try just set the ground, I think, for pretty much the rest of the game. I think, would you say that changed the game? Uh, possibly. I mean, obviously, the sending off was the sending off before or after? Sending off was him. just after. So he, uh, yeah. he, he, he took, you could argue, he took the shine of it, away, yeah. really. But Josh, yeah. did you think that that interception that we had a shot at that point? Or do you think it was just a bit of a look? Um, I actually did, not just because of the interception, but point I made earlier. I, I actually thought Wigan were very poor. Um they they didn't impress me whatsoever, Wigan. Um I said I was talking to Mark on the group who said the same. We just they were just going through the motions. They were just very average. And I just thought they're they're there to be had if Rowan can pull something out of his ass and get get these lads fired up. And then when Tetavano got sent off found like that was more of a thing. I texted my dad and said, that's exactly what we need to fire them up because they've just been so passive. Um, it, I really felt it was an attitude thing. And then at half time, Stevie Ward was saying, he was talking so much about attitude and mental toughness. And I thought that's someone who's been in that changing room um, and had those conversations. And if he's thinking that, I thought, you know, if, if there's a chance, like I'm not saying I predicted it whatsoever, <laughs> But I did feel there was a chance, yeah. I'm going to come just to because Ward, mainly because Wigan was still poor. Stevie Ward said at half time. I'm going to come to a bit later actually because he actually said he thought Leeds would do it, and I I, mm -hmm. I thought Stevie Ward was awesome on the coverage yeah. actually. Um, so let's talk about Tevan. And for those of you that have listened to a lot of pod before, you will know that my co-host or my you know the original, the founder of this podcast, isn't the biggest fan of uh, Zane Tetivano. I think after the red card, he tweeted, get him out of the club or something to that effect. Um, it's Worst probably quite good. Signing. Worst signing ever, I think. He's yeah, something like that. Um, it's probably a good job he's not on the pod. I mean, I'll I'll read a tweet he sent me out. He said, he's very lucky I'm not on. I generally go ballistic. Um, was it a red, Josh? Was it a red? Um, well, I've got a confession. I don't watch a lot of Super League. Because I think the standard has been getting worse and worse. However, I watch a hell of a lot of NRL. This and isn't a confession. We, uh, we, we know this <laughs> because you're you're messaging us at six o'clock in the morning about NRL games, and we're all in bed still. <laughs> well, that's having two kids under three. Yeah, um, true. <laughs> the uh, in the NRL this year, they've clamped down on any contacts they have. So, for example, there was a shocker the other week where Victor Radley. It was so soft, touched Hastings, and he was straight off, straight red. So as soon as I saw it, my head, which is firmly in the NRL camp, just thought, he's going here. And then I thought, hang on, because everyone's been complaining in the NRL about it. It's, it's an awful rule, you know. But to me, looking back, it looked like shoulder to the head anyway, if I'm honest. And there was a hell of a lot of force to it. The lad looked like he'd got whiplash from it. It was, it was a good hit, to be fair. Well, that's what they look, don't they? Look at the flexion of the neck. I mean, Laurie, did, was your instinct it was a red? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Soon, as soon as it happened, I just went, oh, what are you doing? Like, what have you just done? And I, I had people uh, tweeting me at Lawrence Rio account going, oh, that's not a red, that's not even a yellow. It wouldn't have been about five, ten years ago. That would have been just waved on, carried on, and well done, Zane, well done. 
but it's not the game now. The game's moved on so much that that, that is penalty, red card, you're off, you're spending a couple of weeks sat twiddling your thumbs because that is how the game has changed. So I was in Camp Yellow, I'm going to be honest. And really? The reason I'm in Camp Yellow is because the consistency of it. There was the one last <clears> week where uh, it was the Catalan Saints game where I can't remember who it was. I think it might have been Loma or someone got, they got absolutely nailed and they weren't even given another penalty no, no. on the day. But it's the same, it was the same ref. It, it was, was the same ref. Off. Yeah, I think there was another incident, uh, was it at Cass or somewhere else in the same round? So the reason why I thought it was a yellow is because the consistency in the league is just all over the place. You know, if that's in Union, if I put my Union hat on, God, it's a red straight away. Um, And it's just a, it's a noise of his name because that's the third, I think it's the third time he's been sent off. And he's had other yellows that are similar, but all for similar things, just lazy late tackles and late hits that just are not needed. Um, and as Joe's are saying in the comments, that the frustrating thing, we'll probably see another one identical to that next week, and it might not get the same punishment. But it probably is a red, but my feeling it was a yellow because of the consistency of how it's been managed uh, in the league at the moment. But is what how does how does this affect your guys' feeling on Zane Setivano? He's in a contract year at the moment. He is being playing second row, which I prefer him at. But does this affect your feeling on whether we should give him a contract or not, Josh? It doesn't affect anything because I didn't want him to get anyone anywhere. Um, I think, I, I'm, I'm, I mean, just to bring it back, back quickly to the Rowan thing, I'm still in Camp Rowan because I remember when he arrived, this was a rebuild. We were all saying, let's not judge him till the second year, till he's got the squad that he wants. The salary cap is tight, so he's going to have to make some project signings this year, etc. He inherited Zane. If he can get a good year out of him in the back row, then good, because we need him to perform. You know, we, we don't want to be... I've been on this pod before and criticised for being biased against Zane for giving him too much stick. I don't think that's true. I think we all want him to do well. But over his is it three years on marquee money, he's put in a handful of performances that have been worth... Well, not, not, not worth the money, but I would say worth wearing the, the Rhino shirt, which for me, the bare minimum is giving your all to play for that shirt. And I just think he hasn't done enough, anywhere near enough to stay at the club. So I'm hoping that there's big money coming free at the end of the year when he leaves. Laurie, does it change your opinion on, on Zane at all? Or I don't know where, I can't remember where you were in this opinion, but or does it reaffirm your opinion on him? I... I'm a bit 50-50, I think. His, his game balance has changed, if you think about it, in the last year or so um, since Rowan's came in. But it just it does make silly mistakes, doesn't it? And it, it, it they, they have cost us. I mean, that time he got his first sending off on it, his first game uh, Saints, wasn't it, in the cup? Saints, yeah. Or, yeah, or something like that. And it was just like, what are you doing? You know, I think it's one of those where... For me, he doesn't offer what we were paying him, and I know you've probably just you've just said that, but you, I agree completely. I think he's one of those which are we, we going to get any more out of him, or is this his peak? And I think this is his peak. I don't think we're going to get anything more or anything more justifiable to give a contract for. I don't know. What annoys good... me about him? Sorry, what annoys me about him is he's he's either really weak. His yardage seems to be very poor um that's just eye test 
not you know, we've got the stat man to, to up on the top corner there, but he, his, <laughs> his yardage doesn't seem very impressive to me when you put him next to a Mick or a Tom or whatever. Um, but he's, he's either very soft in attack and in defence, or he puts on these massive shots and gets sent, sent off for him or Simbin for him. There's no balance or control of his aggression. And I think at, at, at the elite level, you need to be able to be aggressive in a controlled manner, and that's what yeah. he doesn't have. So I think uh, my mindset at the moment with this is that he's probably going to be banned now for, what, two, three games? Um yeah. Gannon's coming back into fitness. So for me, it's just an opportunity for Gannon to take that spot and keep it and get it back now. So I think for me, there's actually a bit of a positive outlook in this that Gannon has an opportunity now to get that shirt back uh, yeah. and keep it. Because I think with him and McDonald, they've got a hell of a young second row partnership moving uh, moving. How forward. long is... Um, do you know how long McDonald's out for? Uh, a couple of weeks, I think. He won't be back next week, I don't think. Um, so... Half-time, losing 14-6. Was the catalyst the red card? Was it the, Was it Newman? What changed for you, uh, Laurie, in that, between that half-time period? Probably getting off the pitch in the first half. Weirdly. I know it sounds daft, it's probably a, one of those mental things of, you've done that half, you can't change that now, you've got to change it the next half. So I think it was a psychological thing of, then we've just scored a try and intercept, which was pretty crucial. We've now lost a player through a dangerous tackle. Let's get off. Let's get off the pitch. Let's get into you know benches. Let's just have twenty minutes where we sort ourselves out. And I think that's exactly what happened. I think Rowan spoke to the team. You know, probably said, "Look, your game plan's not here. You've not done anything right. We need to sort this out." And I think, let's be honest, that when we came back out, that first five minutes, it was a different team. There was an urgency. There was a passion, and it was like. Is this going to last, or is this just, you know, have we just got that energy kick from having a, you know, twenty minutes of chill out? I actually thought something happened in that, you know, second, well, in half time, which obviously inspired them, and it's just that were it. Rugby league's a big momentum sport, isn't it? I mean, Josh, obviously, last year we came back against Catalan with a with a man down. We've had other we've had other games. We've had to make comebacks and we've had to make you know you know scoring late tries. Do you think part of it is that belief in that the squad has done it before? And I mean, you mentioned that you know a lot of that squad were young. I actually thought Matthew Shaw's article about Leeds in terms of the projects that you mentioned earlier. You know, that Salford game. I think ten of the players were under twenty four. Um, but do you think that experience from last season, those comebacks, those late wins, helped and influenced them? That the belief that they could do it. Uh, yeah, I think, I mean, you could say that Rowan's a bit of a comeback specialist. It's happened that many times. Um, the thing I'm gonna, actually going to jump me, another question here. Would you rather us win like this or would you just want to go out and win a game? I'd like to just go win a game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, less stress. <laughs> yeah. What worries me about it all is, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's the fact that someone's just put a comment here. Is it, uh, I just read it, was it Leeds Bandit? And it's something I agree with. Yeah, it's like we had nothing to lose. So go out there, throw it about and take risks and try and win it by pure attack. I think that's what happened. I think it was almost like Zane was off. So the pressure was off. Um, we're down. We've got nothing to lose. We're not going to win it by this one-up stuff and, and, you know, dropping the ball, you know, no aggression in our attack. Just go for it. Just 
go for it. Almost like forget the game plan and go for it. It feels like we need. It feels like we need something to happen in the first half to rev us up, or either to rev us up or to take the pressure off. Now, if the with them being such young side, I haven't read much of I tend not to do. Um, but if they are. If with them being such a young side, maybe they feel the pressure of, you know, Leeds Wigan is a big game, and maybe there was a bit of pressure around them. I don't know, and maybe going in at half time down, down to twelve men, maybe that was the re- release they needed to just go and play their game, go and play what they are good at. So, Laurie, who do you think really sort of took control in that? Second half because uh, I did see ZB Creative obviously really put out his uh, Stone Cold Austin uh, graphic again. Do, yeah. do you think it was Austin that sort of grabbed all of that game? And I'll be honest, no. And no offense to anybody who says Austin, I just think it was a team effort. I because if you look, as soon as they came onto that pitch, they were driving. They were, um, there was a set of tackles straight away, and every tackle they went in for every player, and it were almost like. We got like you know we're taking this, we're getting it, and um yeah, you can argue Austin, you know Austin was, I mean he seemed to go into lunatic mode in that second half, which was brilliant, but I just thought it was a drive from everybody. The forwards actually seemed to turn up in that second half and actually wanted to go for it. I think if we're looking for who's really leading us, I think that's a it is a great question, but I think the old, I mean Cam, Cam, you know the Appreciation Society. I were applauding him because he seemed to be like, you know, you could see him geeing everybody up. So I think it was a team effort where everybody was just working as a unit, which we haven't seen, haven't we, much this season. Josh, do you agree with that? Or do you think there was a player that sort of took it by the bull of the horns? Um, to be totally honest, I think I think there were three players in terms of attitude who drove us forward. And for me, that was Newman, Austin and... Holroyd. I think the three of them came out and were visibly fired up. Um, Austin, I mean, it was it was hilarious, really. That first try, when in the second half, who scored it? Was it? It was Myler, wasn't it? But Holroyd got was the first a... try, and then Myler got the second. I think. Well, Myler, um... it was the one. There was one, wasn't there? Where it was a bad kick. Someone broke down. It was a bad kick. It was an error. Austin picked it up and stumbled over. He looked that fatigued. Um, and then the next play, we scored off it. There was, is that the one where Myler put it up? And there's, uh, one, there's it was, one where Myler kicked it up and no, no one from the Wigan no team decided to it. catch it. It yeah, ran straight into Smith's hands and then uh, Myler and was just there. To Myler. Yeah. So that's what I was going to come on to, basically, was I don't... I think them two, attitude-wise fired us up and there was a bit of aggression there and, and maybe changed the attitude. But I don't think in skill level or direction, we actually had any. So I'm quite level, I felt quite level-headed on this. After the game, I went on Twitter and everyone was blowing up all excited. And I had to give my head a shake because I was feeling pretty, not negative, but I still felt a bit disappointed with the performance. So if you look at that second half, we've got three interception tries. Um, two, no, two, sorry. two in the second half, one in the first. <laughs> two in the second half, one just before half time. Yeah. yeah. Um, we've got two horrendous defensive efforts from Wigan. The one we've just mentioned, where they didn't even bother to, to catch Myler's kick, and it wasn't exactly a tough kick to, to catch. Fell into Smith's hands, passed to Myler straight over the line. We had the one where Cammy got the ball 
20 yards out and Cam's not known for his speed and just plodded over through about four Wigan <laughs> defenders. I, I'm not sure Cam could believe he's looking that, you know, because he, he has taken the ball to the line quite a lot recently and, he, and he's not he's not been buying, biting the defenders and forcing decision with the pass. But that one, it literally was just like the parting of the sea, wasn't it? It was just well, a the last tackle as well. It was so poor. And it came, and that comes back to what I said earlier in the first half. I just didn't think Wigan were playing well. And then they obviously got that try through Thornley, was it, where my, uh, where Newman just jumped out of the line. That did my head in that when Newman ran out because I felt like that was a bit of a selfish play, him trying to make it all about him a little bit. And I don't know if that's the narrative that's just starting to build from people like Brian Carney saying he's a one-man energy and things like that. But it did annoy me that, that just poor communication. Um, but overall, to answer your question, did one person lead it? I just kind of felt as a team... Three people led it in terms of attitude. Maybe there was others that I've missed, you know, whatever. Skill level. I didn't particularly think someone got the game by the scruff of the neck and said, right, I'm going to organise this. We're going to go for this play, that play. I actually felt still quite worried about our lack of cohesion in attack. I felt like it was all down to individual brilliance, individual, um, you know, uh, interception tries or... The, the Martin try was the only one which I thought was pretty good. It went through three or four sets of hands, offloads. I, I liked that one. I thought that was good. Um, but I, I didn't feel like we were particularly great. The spine, I didn't think particularly... like I don't feel like we put on any set players or we did any game plan. I felt like it was a, a mixture between Wigan just falling apart, being terrible in defence, and... Uh, us stepping it up a gear and some individual brilliance that got us there. Doesn't that just show how poor we were in the first half that we didn't exploit how bad they were? And then in the second yeah. half, once we just go, oh, we'll just turn it up a notch, we absolutely obliterated them. Because let's be honest, yeah. if we'd have done that in the first half, that we could have even put 60, 70 past them. I know that sounds arrogant, but if we'd have actually clued ourselves up and exploited them, we could have really done some damage there. You've got to remember, they've lost two in the bounce as much as, you know, the same as we have, you know, and they've lost to Hull. Um, you know, at least we lost to two fairly decent, you know, decent sides in the last two games. You know, they've lost to Hull. That was the second most amount of missed tackles they've ever made this season, Wigan. It's also the most tries they've conceded. It's also the most points they've conceded. So, you know, there's, there's something for us to take in that. My, my favourite moment of that second half, and it's always come down to this, it's when you get a prop on the loose and that little nice short pass from Holroyd to Lissone. Mm. And I still have no idea how Bevan French made that tackle because Lissone looked like he was going like an absolute yeah. steam train. I've never mm. seen him run that fast. And then, The momentum he had. I know. I was yeah. fully expecting him to floor Ben French. It's, it's, it's my favourite moment of the game, but also most disappointing because I thought fullback prop with a twenty metre run up, going full steam, and they're going, "Oh come on!" Um, there was no step, was there? No, no, no. There was there was no chance the Sony was going to go for the step at all. But, um, but I, I, that was I did, that was my favourite moment of the second half because I think I know I know Josh. You're saying there was some poor defence from Wigan and the Watts. But this Leeds team hasn't taken those chances in previous games. And I think we have to applaud the fact that they have taken those chances today. And I think I think that the Sony carry for me was probably the funniest and my favourite moment. Laurie, do you have a favourite moment from that half? Um, to be fair, that uh, that is that was my favourite because you could just say it was almost a weird reaction of, 
what's just happened? You know, like Bevan French, who, let, let's be honest, he was carrying Wigan, I thought. I thought he was literally like their shining light on Friday. And then he comes and does a tackle like that, which was pretty impressive. Um, but no, that was probably the best moment. But then again, I thought Tyndall's cut inside. That I, I did the thing of sheer horror of what I you saw doing? you tweet about this and you weren't happy about it. I, I thought it was a complete <laughs> right thing to do. Personally, I thought it, just with Tyndall, uh, this sounds horrible. It sounds like a character assassination. I thought if Tyndall cuts his side, is he going to get tackled or lose the ball? One man strip. I just that's what I feared. And then when he did it and did like the little like powered past him, I thought fair play. You've actually done all right there. And he but, well and truly did him. Well and truly. Yeah, he did. Oh no, full credit. That's what I mean. Full credit. I just it was one of those where I was thinking, please, what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> you know, but nah, I thought that was that and the French tackle. Yeah. Both good with great moments. So I forgot Tyndall actually, because I'll, I'll use that moment just to do a couple of stats actually, um, just to explain that. So uh, I've mentioned a couple already in that um, obviously 40 points is actually our best total so far this season. Uh, seven trines is our joint best uh, total because we got seven uh, against Catalan um, in that game. As I mentioned, it was the most points that Wigan uh, conceded so far this year and also the most tries. Um, it was also the second highest missed tackle count for Wigan uh, in the game uh, this year, which probably supports what you were saying, Josh, about their defensive capability. For us, 7.8 metres per carry was the second best we've done so far this season and was actually the joint best uh, for round 12 uh, as well. Uh, Newman topped the metre chart, which probably doesn't surprise many because he had two interception tries, um, but he got 207. It's actually the fifth time a Rhinos player has made over 200 metres uh, in one game. I know, Josh, you're always t texting me on Twitter going, why don't people make 300 metres? They're doing the NRL. I generally think they count them differently. I don't know. But there has been one player to make over 300, and that's actually, I believe it's um, Liam Marshall. He made 302, I think, in one week. Um, but Rhinos actually have more the, the most amount of players with over 200 metres in one game. We've got five players that have made two and five instances of player making over 200 meters. Uh, Warrington are next in the list, and that other people that made over 100 meters were Tyndall, 148, probably again part of it from the interception. Uh, Austin, 130, uh, and McDonald again, uh, 117. Uh, Tyndall led the tackle bus chart with six. Um, he was followed by Cameron Smith with five, and Aledsky, Martin, and Austin also got four each, and then. In the latest episode of the Cameron Smith O'Connor tackle competition, uh, Smith topped the charts uh, with 48 and O'Connor had 41. Um, and you mentioned the props. Obviously, last week I mentioned the, the average for a prop at the moment per game is around 70 metres. That was based on up to around 11. We had three props that made over that this week, which surely isn't a coincidence in that you know, we're yeah. making over that average uh, and we're winning that game. I actually thought Oledsky had the best stats in the props-wise because he had, he actually had the most carries out of any of the props. I think he did 11 carries, 80 metres, 7.3 average game. He made 27 tackles, which was the third most on the day. And he also had four tackle busts as well. So I think Oledsky, hopefully signs of him coming back uh, into the groove uh, as well. Man of the match, gents. Love, Josh, who's your man of the match? It's a tricky one. Um, just because, similar to what Laurie was saying, I think everybody just stepped up. Um, although I do think there was moments of individual brilliance, players like Newman. I actually think overall, 
Austin maybe tried the hardest and had the most impact on the game. And he, he didn't necessarily have one standout moment, but I think that second half, he for me was the most, that came out the most, and his attitude just read like, we're going to go and win this, or we're going to die trying sort of attitude, you know what I mean? Um, so I would probably give it to him. Laurie, your man of the match? Um, Newman. Um, I, also, I totally forgot about his little dust up that he had with Marshall, which was hilarious. <laughs> which um, it was one of my mates commented on uh, Twitter going, Oh, it's like he's having an argument with Voldemort. And it was just like, <laughs> Oh, that's an absolute genius line. I couldn't, every time I watched a clip back, I was just like, Yeah, you're right there. Um, but no, um, Newman, it was probably his best performance since really coming back, I thought. Yeah, I, I would probably agree with you uh, on that one. But I do think that Austin uh, was the man of the match uh, for me. So the lot pod man of the match this week goes to Austin. One more question before we go into other topics is, obviously, that performance in the second half comes from adversity and reacting to it. Do you think we can actually start a game like that? Obviously, uh, or do we or do we just need to be better from the start? What do you think, Josh? Um, yeah, we just... We can't keep going on. It's a risky play, isn't it? I've heard people say, do you think we've conserved the energy for the second half? But I've seen games where we just look gassed in the second half anyway. Um, I don't particularly think we're a fitter team than anyone else. I just think it's down to playing poor, then the shackles being off, go out, do your thing. And then when we play like that, we get points. Um, but we need to we need to address it. Uh, if we're going to do anything this year, we need to address it and we need to go out and start playing like that. However, I do think we're in a building phase and all this is good um, experience for that young team that we have. Um, we just, I, I do think, I do think an elite spine would help in this because I think the theme of this season is we've just looked a bit directionless. Um, and a lot of our poor defeats have been through just not having anyone to get us out of a bad situation or um, direct us forward. It, do you know what I mean? I just think um, we've sort of, a lot of the time it looks like we're just playing one man at rugby, but I, I don't think that's necessarily the game plan. I think that's because the halves aren't kicking us into different areas or implementing a decent game plan. Laurie, would you like to see us, do you think we can start games like we can, like in the second half? Or do you, again, do you think we need to just be better normal? Um, yes, but I do think it requires game management, which we don't really have unless there's a serious problem, or um, a, good, a good, real strong leadership. And that's not possible when you've got five players who are kind of supposed to be the leaders on the park. So... I know they, they said there's one each week, but I think we just need somebody just to have that structure, that influence. So just, I know it's the coach you can also say, but just we can we, we can't be a one half we one half team. It's just killing us. You've got we need to be just structured for the whole game if we can. See, I, I I'm going to disagree. I love the chaos. I think it's. I just think you know it's it's. I don't want to be bored. I like the chaos. I think we look so much better in the unstructured open play. But I don't think you can have both. I'd, I'd want no, no, to in defence as well. So, yeah. and you know, we've made the most offloads out of any team this year. So, I, I, there's, and I think that's something about these off the cuff, the the excitement. I, I kind of want that, but 
I don't think I can want that and also want structured defence because I don't think they come uh, together. I think we can have the offloads and the unstructured attack and go for it from the, from the first minute, though. I mean, yeah. when we were dominant, we were always off the cuff. You know, our best games have been when we've been offloading and, you know, Cuthbertson, for example, topping those uh, yeah, but offloads. Made, like, yards. 25 offloads a game or something with Cuthbertson or something like that. I don't know how the league didn't cut on to Cuthbertson, I have no idea. <laughs> Um, okay, in the interest of trying to keep this under an hour, which we're not going to do, um, the subject I'd like to talk about next is the room, the, the, well, the, the rumours from Rugby League Live that Sam Walters will be leaving these Rhinos uh, at the end of the season. Uh, for the life of me, I can't remember who the club was. If the club was mentioned, can one of you remind me? Wigan. People have been saying Wigan. Wigan. Okay, so... I've got a couple of stats about Sam Walters first, and then I'm going to ask you both about what your opinion is on it. So in 2022 season, uh, Sam played 12 times. His average metres per game was 49.1. His average carry was 7.2, and he made about 16.3 tackles. If I look at this season, obviously it's a much smaller database set um, because unfortunately Sam hasn't played a lot. Um, but Sam... It has played four games. He averages 64 metres per game, 6.7 average game, 9.5 carries, and then also averages about 19.8 tackles per game. He's also missed 9.2% of tackles he's attempted. Those stats are behind Oledski, Tevano, and Lasone, um, but is better than Justin Sangare. Um, I'm trying to find Holroyd on my list here, uh, but I can't seem to find him for some reason. So, Laurie, have the club made a mistake? Um, I'm I'm really bored. Like, I, I'm confused by this, and it sounds really daft, but I think the club have obviously offered him a deal, but he clearly thinks, what else can I get out there? Does it match what I think I'm worth? And we can't be in that game, man. We can't be in that situation where we're offering higher than what the player's actually worth. That that just gets daft, as we're finding out with Teddy Varno now. If he thinks he can get more elsewhere, let him go, all right? And that sounds harsh, and he, we are losing a good prospect. But what I think is, it's we're going to end up in a position where if we're going to end up people demanding more and more and more money, what, where does it end? What does it end with? You know, and it's going to end up being like we could end up losing more players through this. Or, you know, like that, it influences everybody else. So for me, Sam Walters, yeah, great player. But is it justifiable him getting a load more money than, you know, some of the others for his stats and his worth? I'm not sure. He's a good, like, he's a young prospect, don't get me wrong. And he's obviously nowhere near being the peak yet. But I just think if he's become too big for his boots, maybe it's let him go. I don't know. I'm a bit torn. Personally, I think we have offered, but not a massive amount. I don't know. Is he a good player, Laurie, or is he a good prospect? <laughs> that's a great question. Prospect for me. Yeah, and I think that's the key for me. Josh, what's your opinion on it? Um, I think he is a good player, and I also think he's a good pro- prospect. That's just better. cheating. You can't. And I, I, <laughs> I, I said, what are the other? Um, well, what are the other? I think he's. I think he's a good player now. I would have him ahead of Lizzoni. I'd have him ahead of Tetevano. I'd probably have him ahead of Singare. I'd have him ahead of Donaldson. All of which are on pro contracts in their later years, apart from Singare. Um, probably earning a hell of a lot more than what he's earning. 
if you say to me, would you rather pay? He won't be asking for as much as what Tetevano's been on. And I'd rather he plays. No, but you've, you've also got, you, I think that's also quite an unfair comparison. You've got a, you know, a grand finalist NRL, a much more experienced player than Sam Walters. Now, Sam Walters will command the value because he's a homegrown English prop prospect. Any, any Super League team will want an English prop prospect. Because yeah. You know, mo- mo- if you look at most of the quota players that are used across the league, it's on a prop. So having an English prop in there and there, and I think Walter. So why are we letting player. him go? That, well, that's so like, so that's that, my, to finish that's my, what I was. Go on. Sorry, what, what I was going to finish saying was, we're happy to spend all this money on a, you know, like an overseas player who's coming to the end of his career, who doesn't perform more often than not. They're not performing for us. Whereas we've got this prospect. Even let's go with him being a prospect. Why don't we pay a little bit more, and and keep him and see how he develops. The fact that he is English serves as a quota spot for somewhere important, like the spine next year. Um, and and we're look, we're sat here saying, oh, he's asking for too much money. We don't know that. All that's happened is that Matt Shaw's, or whoever at League Live, Aaron Bauer, has put out an article saying he's leaving. Um, we don't know that. We, you know, we, we, we just, it's all... Speculation. I, I, I have no doubt that Leeds have offered him a deal because Leeds will. Yeah, yeah but what I'm let's saying, let's, saying let's, is... let's not say Leeds don't want him, but obviously he's made a decision for, that for whatever reason that he's either got a better offer somewhere, which might have happened. I did read somewhere that apparently he still lives over that way. He is obviously from Witness, so I don't know if that if that comes into it as well. But I think you're looking at the schematics of just the player itself. I do think Leeds are losing an asset massively. Yeah. 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 Um, if you look at that, just just really quickly, if you look at Holroyd, O'Connor, Oledsky, McDonald, Gannon, uh, Smith, Holroyd. Walters, Holroyd, that is a pack that could dominate for the next decade without a single quarter spot, if I'm right. Mm-hmm. And you, you get dispensation for academy-grown players. So if you pay slightly more now to keep him, you're getting dispensation on the cap anyway. So why are we so, ex, you know, accepting of a middle, you know, like, yeah, like Lizoni, for example, he's not tearing up any trees in the NRL. He's an, he's an average NRL player who will cost so much more than a player like Walters and will cost more to us on the cap than a player like any of the overseas players because of the dispensation and everything. So I, I don't, I think we should have done more to keep him. I don't, I mean, unless he's asking for, you know, 200 grand a season, you know, I just, I just can't see him. What I'm trying to say is maybe I'm not articulating this well. I don't think what he'll have been, I don't think he's going to go to Wigan and they're going to give him a hell of a, a hell of a lot of money. No. I but they're losing the Brad Singleton, the aren't they? So Brad Singleton's yeah. leaving Wigan. So they, they see him as a replacement for Brad Singleton, who in the moment it has number eight on his back of his jersey at Wigan. Yeah, and we got O'Donnell. But like, you know, and that's the same thing for them, isn't it? They, hmm. you know. Um, so I understand it. But if it was down to me, I'd have been doing everything I could to keep him. And for the and the prospect player thing, I've rated it like all of last year, I really rated him. As soon as he went to prop, I thought. I know Barry Mack didn't like that, but I just thought he's been everything. Every game I've seen him play, I've seen so much potential there. And it's not looking at the stats; it's not just about the amount of carries or the amount of meters he's made. The the the, 
the carries that he do does make are often the important ones and chaos happens afterwards he always knocks players down there's always a bit of space afterwards it's not just oh he managed to get seven meters or whatever it's often in a really valuable um contact that yeah. makes sense. And stats, like stats, I always say, stats are still part of the story. You know, you can't measure the chaos. A couple of comments that people have been asking in here is, do you think people's opinion of Sam Walters has been inflated? Or if you took away his game against Saints this year, do you think people would be less upset with him going, Laurie? No, because he had some good performances last year as well, didn't he? I mean, I know he mm. did stand out in that Saints game. Um I think because for me this should have been done in the off season. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Completely agree. Because and that's my disappointment in this, in that it's come to this point. No. But then again, we don't know if he didn't want to speak, or we don't know yeah. whether his agent was saying we'll we'll delay it, you know, and almost let him get into the free market where anybody can get him. I think for me the issue, and sorry, I'm going to slightly diverge off this, but very quickly is. If you look at our academy recently, look how many good props have come through and forwards, I should say, really. Is it, are we worried that we're losing somebody when there could be somebody else who's coming through very quickly? It's almost like, is, is at that age where we could actually be all right, you know, in the next year or two because somebody else could come through? I think it's a development aspect as well. Maybe the club think we've got some prospects who are possibly better who could do a better job than Walters. I don't know. I think that the brief. The pre thing has shocked people as well, yeah. Because he's come out and he's he started this year really well, and um, it just feels like we're letting another back, one Josh, go. He can come back to pre, it's fine. We'll just sign him again. <laughs> we'll just say thanks all for doing the work. We'll take him back, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, him and Croft for about a couple of hundred grand, yeah. yeah. Oh, fine, well, no, all you have to do is give them 25 quid and you can become a director <laughs> now, can't you? That's all for that's how it works. <laughs> um, okay. Onto another sort of player rumour. So this one's a bit more of a rumour as opposed to confirmed. Uh, is Liam Tyndall has apparently been offered uh, uh, a contract by Hull FC. Uh, Laurie, I'll start with you on this one. Do you think, again, a Rhino shoot themselves in the foot with Tyndall or are you in a slightly different opinion to how you feel with Walters? Um, no, I think um, without sounding harsh on the lad, he does make too many errors. And it, it, there are a few elements of his game which quite poor I think so for me it's not a big loss that's how I see it not a massive loss I don't think Tyndall's got a f had the full opportunity really to play in a Rhino shirt I think next year with Fussy 2 going there is a number 2 shirt available um, whether I'd want Tyndall in the number 2 shirt is probably a different question but I, don't, I also don't know what we'll be doing in the off season Josh would you be sad to see Liam Tyndall go? Yeah no, no, nothing like Laurie said there's nothing against him but I, I just feel like we have surplus amount of backup wingers um and you just pick any one of them and put them on the wing for me at the minute i think we lack another top level winger to partner ash um because, you know i'm guessing fuss is going and he was playing well at the start of this year it's just a shame about this injury but he's just not really had his chance here with tyndall i, I think like he's come in and he's he's Maybe being six out of ten, five, five and a half, six out of ten. But I feel like we have like maybe three or four of those young players and prospects that could do that job. I don't know what his ceiling is either. Um, I feel totally differently to the Wallace. It's the most. I'm so upset about the Wallace thing, as you can probably tell. Um, 
<laughs> players will come and go and people will be more upset about some than the others. There might be someone listening to this that's more upset about Tyndall than Walters. You know? Yeah, exactly. I did see some comment on Tyndall. I'm not, I don't get the Walters thing. I am upset about the Walters thing. Like, you are Tyndall for me. I think we've got a lot winger. We Again, we've got people coming through. That Ned McCormack that we've signed that in gun under 20, he's a centre fullback wing. There's Alfie Edgel. I think he's a fullback wing. So, you know, we've got people coming up. We might even make Nene a full-time winger next year, which I wouldn't be that... Yeah. Bothered about if Max Simpson starts progressing after his ACL in centre. So I, I think there's enough movement to do around. Yeah, um, is Matt, such a commodity. I was going to say for me, it's a bit Mark Caldwell part two. Yeah. So I mean, Paul Ramsons has put Max Simpson will be back next year, so he can go center and put Nedo yeah. in the wing. You know, Max looked yeah. like he was putting on. He looked like he'd been in global gym um, all summer. Um, so. So someone in the comments asked, is Tyndall related to Mike Tyndall from Union? No, he most definitely is not. <laughs> um, not at all. Okay. Um, next thing I just want to talk about um, is Toby Warren. So those of you that might not know, in the reserve game, they did actually have to call it off after 59, 60 minutes, uh, as there was quite a nasty injury to Toby Warren. But the good news was that all the signs seemed positive with Toby. So we wish Toby uh, all the best. And then finally... It was the marathon today. I'm assuming none of us did it today. No, no, um, <laughs> because we are all. Oh, I can't. Josh is the slimmer one of the three. <laughs> uh, Josh probably looks more like a runner than the three of us. Um, but uh, I think there was something like twelve thousand, thirteen thousand runners. I think today, uh, obviously doing amazing. it. Um, I'm assuming you've all seen the amazing footage uh, of Kevin and Rob. Um, Laurie, any words on that? There is no words, is there? No, it's just it's outstanding. It's, it? It, that should be the image on in every newspaper tomorrow. They don't yeah. care if it's front page, why they're just yeah. That's it should be the image on the changing rooms at Edinley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I think it's fantastic. Obviously, Lindsay Burrow ran the marathon as well. That was her first marathon. So congratulations to her and everyone that took part, both in the full and half marathon. You know, including Rob Oates, obviously the friend of the podcast. I think the Leeds Rhinos team themselves they've raised something around last time i looked about 31 32,000 themselves and people from the club um so well done to all those involved go on josh did you you hear kev's speech just before they set off yes yeah how how good must he have been in the sheds there's people like him where you could prepare for that speech all in the world like i'm 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 getting married in september i've been writing this speech the last two months i've still got another four months it's still going to be crap on the day (laughs) I know Kevin Simpson could just turn up at my wedding, do my wedding speech for me, and it would be the most emotional thing you'll ever heard and perfect and hit the tone, and he's never met me. He is just a... There are people that are just natural, gifted leaders, aren't they? He's just got it, hasn't he? Yeah. And I think he said that there is three million up until that point for different charities, which is brilliant. So certainly that title, Sir Kev, will be coming formal at some point. They will be doing the half marathon and full marathon again next year. I've already had the email... Uh, so anyone who's interested, check out the website for that. Last but least, re- preview of the Wigan Game Challenge Cup next week. Is it a two, half two kickoff? Half two. Half two. Tickets are reduced. I believe they are £15. Josh, what's your prediction uh, for uh, that Challenge Cup game? It's always a weird one, isn't it? Playing the same team twice. And mm. It'd be quite interesting to see what one for your stat man is interesting to see how we fare doing that in past games. Oh, you'll have to ask um, Andy at LEFC stats because he's yeah, he'd be good at that. Game under the sun, yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Um, 
it just depends which leads turn up, doesn't it? As we've said all year. Um, they'll be able to prove a point. I would say, let's say leads by 13 plus. How many, sorry? 13 plus. 13 plus, right, okay. good. You knew exactly what I was going to do then. You knew I was going to go full Eddie and go, just give me a number. Laurie, what's your prediction for next week? Uh, I'm going to say exactly what I said about the league game. I think he will win, um, will either win comfortably or Wigan will hammer us. Um, I think it's a bit one of those. Uh, I hope... I hope we win. If we lose, we can focus on the league. As host of the Lot Pod this week, I will say Leeds by 38 uh, <laughs> in, in true uh, fashion of continuing. Uh, thank you, Laurie, Josh, for joining me tonight. Uh, thanks for everyone in the chat that's been on. Um, those of you that haven't listened yet, we had a great conversation with Fran Goldfort last week before she heads off to Australia. So please make sure you check out that podcast. Also, please keep an eye out for my channel this week, the Allen and Fleece. We will be starting the raffle uh, for the Rob Burrow jersey that Oxen has kindly donated to myself. Um, so I'll get release details of like that later in the week. But in the meantime, thanks for all joining. Uh, this will be all available in the usual channels as always, and we'll see you next week. Thanks very much.